Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. So what do we do? We just had this big old milestone, this campaign, and we're getting ready to head, head into Advent season. And, and so, you know, when you come out of those, you know, those kind of big moments, you know, it's, it's, very, it's very likely to have a lull. And so it's like, man, what do we do now? I would say we keep living by faith. I would say, what do we do now? Thanks for asking. We keep living by faith, y'all. That's what we do. And so uh, I want to turn us to... Hebrews 11, Christy just read the, um, the 39th and 40th verse, which, um, you know, is just a small portion of that passage, um, you know, but I would just encourage you, maybe this week, you can put down Upper Room or Sarah Young for a, for a week, maybe just comb through Hebrews 11 again, let this be your devotion uh, for the week. Um, because it really is beautiful. And if you're really feeling saucy about Jesus and your relationship with him, you can read the whole book of Hebrews. It'll be fun. You'll love it, right? Um, take a chapter, a couple chapters a day, and you'll knock it out in a week. Um, but because we can't really do it all justice in, you know, this 70-minute long sermon, um, <laughs> Suffice, would you trust me in just saying this? Hebrews, we don't know who the author is. Um, a lot of people have thought it was Paul, and some people have recently moved off that. We don't know who really the author of Hebrews is. But we do know that it's probably one of the most beautiful biblical prose in all of Scripture. And, and, and really, it, it takes a different form of a letter, um, and, and it's really sermonic. And it's got this, this really big block, these big, really big two blocks that I think, you know, will help you frame it up. It is all talking about the superiority and the supremacy of Christ. He's better than angels. He's better than the best prophets. He's giving a, a better rest. Christ is better. And then it's, it's doing two things. It's describing to you how amazing he is, and then it's calling you to faith and pers- perseverance in light of how amazing he is. Right? In light of how awesome he is and the amazing salvation that he is providing for his people, it's encouraging you not to neglect it, to drop your anchor. You know, that's biblical, right? That's biblical. Drop your anchor and trust in Christ and endure by faith and perseverance. That's all Hebrews is really about. And if, you know, uh, the way Hebrews is worked, y'all know that chapters and verses in the Bible, you know, we added those later, right? You know that these things weren't written, you know, if they were reading to their congregation back wherever at Galatia or Thessalonica, they wouldn't be like, hey, y'all turn to chapter 5. Y'all know they wouldn't do that? Did you know that? (laughs) That's not what they do, right? So as they were reading this, this thing, it it definitely had flow. It had unity. And I will just read to you the last verse of chapter 10 before we kind of dive into 11. Chapter 10 just says this, verse 39. But we, everybody say we, do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses. Because I just love me a good football Christian verse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Listen, if I, if I could stop thinking about Christianity like a big football game, maybe I would stop yelling at y'all. But I just can't. I just, <laughs> I'm trying, man. I just always just, you know. So I'm sorry. I really do. I, every time I leave, I was like, man, I got to stop yelling. But I, in my mind, it's like, ah, let's go get it. So I apologize. 
but we don't belong to those people who shrink back. <laughs> I can't help it. That ain't in our blood, bro. It's not what we made of. And I love how the connotations are made. Those who are being saved stand firm. Those who are shrink back will eventually be destroyed. But we, who is the we that's being addressed? It's the people who do not shrink back, those who have faith. This is definitely going to be an identity sermon. Y'all know I love the language that is used of the people of God in the Bible, I love it, right? I love in the Old Testament how these people are called worshipers of the true and living God. I love that because it means something. I love how as we preach through Nehemiah and we look through Genesis, Genesis 17, 17, our scripture, right? These people of the covenant, that means something, right? Um, and I think I just like to add another one to it, especially as we come out of Commitment Sunday, as we move forward to, you know, this building, as we get in and into whatever God calls calls us to. We're not architects. We're not commercial developers. We're not just great orators or whatever the case may be. We are a people of faith. That's what we do. It is a distinctive. And I want to tell you something. This is not a distinctive of some of the people of the covenant family of God. They have faith. We don't really have faith. No, it's the distinct marker of all of us. We are a people of faith. And if we just sang about a God of promises, if God is the God of promises, then we are the people who believe those promises. That's our marker. That's our distinguisher. That's our distinctive. If our God is the God of promises, then we are the people who believe them. And so today, the big idea is just helping us to understand what do we do now? We're placing our faith in God. It's how we start. It's how we live and it's how we finish. Placing our faith in God is how we start. Everybody say, it's how we start. It's how we live and it's how we finish. So y'all know this verse, right? It's, it's the most linear definition of faith that we have in all of Scripture, right? The rest of it just kind of leaves the contours and, and kind of helps us to fill in the gap through the Spirit and through the other testimony of Scripture. But Hebrews 11 and 1, what is faith? Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, right? It's how we start. Let's talk about faith. Let's just do a little theological work real quick. There's three main types of faith. First of all, it's conversion faith. You know this, right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. It's by grace, through faith that we are saved, not of works, because we don't want any one of y'all coming up in our assembly talking about, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I was doing all the quiet time, and you know what I'm saying? I did all the service projects, and that's why I was Jesus' number one draft pick. No, no way, Jose. None of y'all, that's not our testimony. Amen, somebody. None of us coming in here being like, look at all the medallions I got on me. I was in collegiate the other day, and one of the kids from uh, 3LR, he came in, he had his jacket. That joker had about 50 little things on his lapel. I was like, God, it made me look real shame. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, I didn't have one sticker when I was in high school. Matter of fact, I spent more time outside in the hallway than I did in the classroom. My teacher used to just say, I would walk in, she'd say, get out. Rap, I ain't even did that yet. Just get out. Dang. So I'm shamed. I'm reminiscing. It's like, man, this bloke got all the medallions. He, this, this, of course. He, you could just tell he was set up for success. Do y'all realize none of us, none of us, none of us 
all of us got the same testimony. Head down. Ooh, I'm thankful for his mercy. And the only way we get in is by faith. By believing that what he did on that cross, abolishing the record of sin on our behalf, trading uh, his extreme wealth for our poverty in the spirit, making us inheritors of the precious promise of God, only received through faith. You know that old Latin phrase, sola fide, faith alone, apart from works, right? That's how we get in. That's how we start, right? And then there's continuing faith. It's the faith that we exercise daily. Everybody say daily. As we look to God to do in and through our lives all that he promised to do. I love this, 1 Peter 1 and 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Any of y'all seen God? It's a, the good old Presbyterian kids catechism, right? Can you see God? No, but he can always see me, right? We ain't never seen him, but do you love him, y'all? Yeah, you love him. And though you do not see him, do you believe in him? Everybody say, yeah. And you're filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. That's daily faith, and we'll talk a little bit more about that today and how these things are linked together, how your daily faith actually validates your conversion faith. (laughs) That was was an emphatic point that I was trying to make. We'll talk a little more in detail about how your daily faith validates your conversion faith. Amen. Amen. And then there's charismatic faith, right? Remember when we preached, uh, see these sermons on spiritual gifts at the avenue? Uh, that was about a year, year and a half ago. Um, but remember out of 1 Corinthians 12, we know that some of us have been given this spontaneous, supernatural boost of faith, this confidence in God's abilities and promises given to a believer usually in prayer or to the recipient of that prayer. And it's usually momentary, right? It comes on you. Most of us don't live in that mountaintop. I, you know, I, I don't know if I have the gift of faith. <laughs> but even those who think they have the gift of faith, it's so funny how, man, I could believe God for big things. And then it could be like, hey, man, is God going to, um, you know, help the heat come back on or turn the car? It's like, oh, my God, I'm worried off, you know. So usually that gift of faith comes on kind of in moments and it comes off. It comes on in the moment, it comes off, right? But that's a gift. But we're going to talk more today about uh, the daily faith, that continuing faith um, in God's eternal promises and purposes. If PT had a definition that would help us too today, I would just say that faith as we're going to see it in Hebrews 11 is more or less believing God's promises based on his testimony and actions in redemptive history in adverse conditions that validate God's plan and power. Take a picture. Is it up there? Of course it is, because Jesse's so dope. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Jess. But it's believing God's promises based on his testimony and actions in redemptive history in adverse conditions that validate God's plan and power. Now, once again, when we start talking about faith, what it's important as we get really the only linear definition of faith in Scripture It's important for us to really dive into the word choice and the use here. Because I think when we start thinking about faith, we start thinking about all the little Hallmark movies that Gina watches incessantly. (laughs) Woke up this morning, early in the morning, I'm looking at a Hallmark movie about somebody who falls in love with somebody who they've never seen before. And it's just like, "Uh," you know, 
It's like, okay, and, and you know what? Hey, we don't know where you from, brother. We don't know who your people is, what your priors look like, but, you know, we're going to move across the country and spend forever after with you, you know, whatever, right? It, it's this kind of this idea of faith that, that has no basis, right? It's just a feeling, right? What Hebrews 11 is going to do for us is tell you that your faith is not just based on a feeling. Your faith is not just based on a vibe, that your faith is based on reason, and it is very solid reason. That's what Hebrews 11 says. Hebrews 11 says, uh, 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 verse 1, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. In the Greek, hypostasis, which means confidence, it's a conviction that we have, right? Um, and it's an assurance based on the things that we do not see. The biblical writer here is telling us, based on the ESV commentary, I just got to give it to you straight, how he gave it to me. It's not a vague hope grounded in imaginary wishful thinking. The commentary goes on to say that instead, faith is a settled kind of confidence. Everybody say settled. That something in the future, something that is not yet seen but has been promised by God will actually come to pass because God will bring it about. God says it, he will do it. And we believe it. That settles it. Amen. Thus, biblical faith is not blind trust in the face of contrary evidence, not an unknowable leap in the dark. Rather, biblical faith is a confident trust in the eternal God who is all-powerful, infinitely wise, eternally trustworthy, the God who has revealed himself in his word in the person of Jesus Christ, whose promises have proven true from generation to generation. Y'all heard that word before? His promises have proven true from generation to generation. Can I get a witness? Amen, somebody. And who will never leave or forsake his own. Your faith is based on reason. And you'll see this all throughout Hebrews 11. Even look at Hebrews 11 and 11. This is Sarah. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, what did she do? Was enabled to bear children because she considered so when we start talking about faith, we're not talking about, oh, man, don't leave your brain behind. We're saying think about it. Think. And Sarah, who was laughing at God at some point, sat down and said, hmm, I used to think God's promises were funny. But when I sit down and consider where we were in earth and where we at now and the things we've overcome, when I sit down and consider, I think he might be able Come on, man. Come on, somebody. Hey, if you're struggling with your faith, I dare you to sit down with the sheet and do the pros and cons. Start working it out. Don't just, start, don't just take Pastor Tim's word for it. I'm inviting you into your investigation process. Get your leash strobe alone. Do your case for Christ and work it out. Your faith must be based on reason. You have to be convinced that God's testimony is true. What he says of himself, what he says of the world, what he promises, he is able to do, willing to do, and will do. It's got to be based on reason. That's how we start, y'all. Here's how we live. Verse 13. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. 
and if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. What, you, what I skipped out on is about 12 verses of just a roll call, as many of us have learned if we were in a good VBS program. This roll call of faith. And you keep hearing this common refrain, by faith, something. By faith, such and such. By faith, such and such, right? And that refrain of by faith is basically a call to all of the readers and the audience of the author of Hebrews to live the way you entered, maintaining a steady hope in the promises of God that is verified by action. By faith, this scripture is given to us, put in the holy canon, and it's just keep saying, by faith, this person, by faith, this person, and it's signaling to us the same way we came, believing that he had made a propitiation of our sins, right? He's paid that in full. That's the way we keep living, by maintaining this steady hope in the promises of God, and we verify that by action, right? So it's not some kind of intellectual exercise where it's like, yeah, I believe, yeah, I believe, yeah, I believe, yeah, I believe, I believe, 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 believe. But there ought to be some receipts that verify what you believe, amen, lights and walls. So what you will see, once again, in Hebrews 11 is this. Abel, by faith, brought an offering. Noah, by faith, built an ark. Abraham, by faith, went. Every, the formula is the same. God promises something, we believe it, we act. That's what Hebrews 11 is showing you and telling you. God promises, we believe, we act. Can I tell you something? And I've tried to tell you this over and over and over and over again. This is why you are my heroes. Because living by faith in the God of the Bible is the single most hardest thing anybody has ever done. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. But it's not. It's so counterintuitive. It's so countercultural. And here is where... uh, um, Here is where... The, the, the reason, this is why it's not solely based in reason, because we are asked to be confident in realities that might not yet be present. So we believe something based on the testimony of Scripture, but it's like, oh, in this time, it's like, yeah, that's outdated. That's irrelevant. Remember I told you one of the major assaults against uh, Christianity and fundamental evangelical Christianity was, being, was when they began to start um, uh, 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 attacking and to start discrediting all the miraculous things of Scripture. Do you know that there are people who you know who call themselves Scripture, who call themselves Christian, who actually don't believe in the powerful miracles that Scripture attests to? They just believe, no, I just follow Jesus because he loved everyone. I follow Jesus because he's a good teacher. I don't actually believe he split a billion-gallon seat. They've taken out the things that require a divine level of confidence in things that we just don't even believe are plausible. Living by faith is lonely and it's peculiar. Can I get an amen, somebody? You 20 years old, you're in the best shape of your life, you're living on a college campus, everybody got sexual energy everywhere, 
Nobody see who go in and out of your dorm room? Why not? Because you actually believe that God has reserved your body for his own purposes and for your spouse? That's strange. Nobody else believes that but the people in this room. Oh, you moving, going over there with a young family for missions? In a dangerous country where you don't even know if Christianity is acceptable? Why would you do that? Do you? Nobody ever thinks, nobody else thinks that's rational. They all think that's a lack of wisdom. But you, the people in this room, actually applaud that and say, yeah, amen to that. How could I support you, brother and sister? Because we believe in this thing, in this coming kingdom. Yo, do you realize what you signed up to, y'all? We keep trying to just get in the comfortable place. We want to be all on the same baseball teams. We want to be in the same clubs. And we, we don't want to ruffle no feathers. We, and we always want to apologize for our peculiarity. We're different. Some of y'all just need to accept that. We're just unique. Now, listen, I'm just telling you, man, we do some different things. I love you, but it's different over here, you know? Sorry. Tangent. I love that in verse 13 it just says, especially in reference to Abraham and Sarah, that they admitted that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. I guess that's what I just said. Some of us just need to reconcile that. You got to admit, we're the exiles. We just came out of Nehemiah. We're the foreigners and the strangers. So what that means is that we'll always, especially leading into Advent, you need to lean into this, that there will always be a righteous dissatisfaction on this side of heaven. We will always be a longing people. Amen, lights and walls. Psalms 139 and Psalms 39 and 12 just says, Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. I dwell with you as a foreigner and as a stranger, all as all my ancestors were. In Hebrews 11, the writer has gone through just the litany of Old Testament faith heroes to give us a positive illustration of what faith looks like. I love this, this book, is, this chapter is so comprehensive. It gives us the most linear definition of what faith is, and then it just gives us about 40 more scriptures of what it actually looks like. What is it, what is it how do you actually live by faith? I know what they said in Hebrews 11 and 1, but what does it actually look like? You just get a whole bunch of people who did it. Praise God, isn't that so fun? As a matter of fact, all of the canon is filled with people in redemptive history who just basically believe God could do impossible things. Those are all your characters. Daniel, David, Elijah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, the whole thing are the testimonies of people who actually believe God's crazy promises to those he loved. But I love this. Hebrews 11 is not only just showing you what faith looks like, it's showing you that you're not alone either. And that's connected to the very next chapter. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race with endurance. Come on, man. I guess what I've been trying to tell you is that Faith is not a one-time thing, Avenue. It's not one thing, oh, I did that. Oh, I already had faith to believe Jesus is the blood, all that. I faith done it. Next. No, G. 
Faith is an ongoing thing. And he keeps inviting you to believe his precious promises in the face of what the devil in the world you live in says about you and about your God. It's how we start, it's how we live, and it's how we finish. Verse 39, where Christy read for us, these were all committed for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us they would be made perfect. There's so many aspects of Hebrews 11 that I love. I, got, I just got a couple more, so y'all stay, stay tight. I'm not quite there yet. But the, when I chose to preach this message, this is what I wanted to highlight. How many of y'all know when the Bible gives you something twice, you probably need to pay attention to it, right? The parallel passages for me are verses 13 and verse 39. So twice we kind of get this, yet none of them received what had been promised, right? Verse 13, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw and welcomed them from a distance. Verse 39, yet none of them received what, had, what was promised. Why? Why is this in there? I think one of the things that we need to know in a get it fast, immediate culture is that with our faith, we don't always immediately see the results of our faith. And I want to let you know you are not alone in that. That's exactly what it means to be the people of God and to be the people who believe in him by faith. And it means that... it, by definition, there will probably be a prolonged period before we actually see the results of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of y'all is like, man, you know, I've been dealing with this, I've been dealing with that, I've been dealing with that. Pastor Tim, I prayed. Why ain't it better? Brother, sister, do you know what we're all doing in this room? Believing by faith that something Beautiful is happening beyond our reality, and God has not forsaken his promises. Listen, listen at me. I know that your world can be suffocating. I know that your world can be downright chaotic and confusing. But do not sell your brother and sister short as if their world is no less than that. We all in here struggling together. Lest you feel like, oh, I'm the only one. No, we all, all of us in here are hanging on to something. So A, you're not alone. And can I just free some of y'all in this room? That shame cycle keeps you from admitting and running to the covenant family and saying, y'all, I'm struggling to believe. This is where you need to run into. That's probably a daily occurrence for a lot of us in this room. And if it ain't daily, it's every other day. Lord, you're going to come through. And we've even one second, with this is this a this believing dance. Lord, I'm worried. Lord, I believe you. Lord, I'm worried. Lord, I believe you. Lord, I'm worried. That's how it works. It's a struggle. And even the gift of faith, when it comes on us, it's momentary. It don't always stay that way. That's why, who is the, um, the prophet standing out there digging trenches, burning the, uh, the, the offering up, making a mockery of all the people that, believe, that, that were carnal, and then he was hiding in caves? 
Faith never stays. It's always momentary, and we always need to be built up in it, y'all. All of us struggle. Don't let your shame run you away from where you can find your strength and not be judged for not believing. We're not going to And I haven't been in a lot of counseling sessions in this church. No, I want to know one time I ever ran y'all away and say, I wish you just start believing more. You're so dumb for not believing. It's not how it works, is it? But we sit with you. We don't make false promises to you. I don't know when you're going to get the job. I don't know if you'll ever get married. I don't know when your kid going to start acting better. I just know God hadn't forsaken you. Now, about that, we can argue. We can do that argument. Because I'm not going to run you away from the only sure thing in your life. how we finish. We don't always see the immediate results of our faith. What verse 40 tells us is that none of them received what they had been promised. 40, since God had planned something better for us. You do realize that. I want to encourage you. If you are in the middle of that season and you can't figure out why things won't break through, I think you need verse 40 is your verse. Because your God, who's the Alpha and Omega, who knows the beginning from the end, has something better planned for you. Now, let me be honest. That doesn't mean that if that guy don't want you, he got a better guy for you. I am not saying that. I'm, this a, I'm serious. I'm not telling you because homegirl did not accept your engagement proposal that there's a better, more beautiful, more godly woman around the corner. We, ne we need to stop encouraging people with that. Oh, you didn't get into that school. Oh, that's only because you're going to get into a bigger, better school. Then, no, we don't know that. That's not what we know. What we do know is God is holding your world in his hands. And he's holding you. And that there is sustaining and transforming grace that is getting to you right now if you would just receive it. He will hold his people he will comfort his people. He will bring peace that passes all understanding. That's what we hold on to. And one of the reasons why he delays, one of the reasons why we don't all get the promises yet is because he wants to give it to all of his followers at the same time. Y'all, we getting ready to do Christmas. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, it's always a big old debate. When we going to open? Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, after lunch, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, some of y'all with adult kids, y'all got kids who come in and out and grandkids. So it's like, oh, well, you know, they'll only be here at this time and they'll be here at another time. So do we let them open before they get to open? And, you know, good mamas and grandmamas are like, no, we all opening at the same time. Come on, man. Y'all, I'm preaching right now, but you're missing what I'm saying. That there is a more beautiful and excellent promise and gift that Moses can't open yet. <laughs> they say, ah, Paul, put it back. Put it back under the tree. Uh -uh -uh. Hey, hey, Apollos, not yet, not yet. I got to wait till all my babies. <laughs> then we're going to all see it together. All going to get them glorified bodies together all going into the New Jerusalem together. You know nobody else in the New Jerusalem yet. That's, a yet that's, that's, that's not here yet. 
that you and your grandma, your auntie, all those who went before us, we're going to all see that thing together. God said, not yet. But everything we saw in Hebrews 11 was just this, this testimony. We're not alone as disbelieving people. What it looks like to believe and put it to action, to hang on to his promises. And we all see these people being commended, commended, commended. Even though they didn't see what it was that they were believing for, God, your God was still commending them for hanging on and holding on to him. Yes. You know, I love my kids. I, I've, been, I've been their dad trainer for a long time. So take with that what you will. But I love when we're doing stuff and, and they don't even see it. I'll be like, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And they start crying, Sam. And they start frustrated and do it again. But they can't even see it. They getting better. They finally, after the fifth time, they're, do, they're putting the right foot there. And I'm saying, you got it now. And they're frustrated. They st- but they can't see that what we've been working in them is taking root, man. And I know you're crying while you're praying. And I know you're crying while you're trying to be faithful and reading those scriptures. And I know you're crying while you keep dragging yourself to small group. But I can see God saying, yes, yes, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. It's taking root. Keep going. Keep trusting. Keep believing. You can't see it, but I'm sustaining you right now. Keep doing the next right thing. He's commending some of y'all right now. You don't know it, but I'm telling you. These people died in faith. Abraham, Sarah, get up, go to a place. Genesis 12, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars. Y'all know they actually never got to the promised land, and they only had one son, the special son together. They didn't see it, what they were actually being obedient to and believing for. Why did I choose to preach this message? Because, you know, it's like y'all know how football games work, sporting events. You get a major victory, you kind of have a tendency to kind of, they call it trap games, right? You let down your guard. And I think living by faith is so hard. I hear it all the time. It's like, man, I'm just waiting on, I'm waiting on this season to change. And I'm like, I don't know what you think is coming around door number two. I'm going to just tell you, ain't nothing but more faith coming. It's just going to be a new challenge and a new adventure, but we still going to have to be. Can I just give a word to some of y'all in this room? Don't wait on the seasons to change. You're okay. God has you right where he wants you. Because I just want to be honest with you. The next season just requires faith. But you're getting prepared right now for what you're going to need to use in the next season. Your season is not purposeless. Your pain is not arbitrary. And God is using this for his ultimate plan in your life and redemptive history. Let's just close with this. At every point in our lives, I think we need to be found believing in kingdom promises. 
every point. We don't get a we don't get an off season of oh yeah we just whew, man I tell you faith in God is so hard I'm just gonna take about a couple months off. <laughs> this is who we are. This is our heritage. This is who we are as God's people. We are a people of faith. And I want to be clear as best I can what it is we're believing for. This is not jobs, husbands, and prosperity. This is God's care, his concern, and his purposes. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, God promised me I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to challenge you on that. Where would you find that in Scripture? God promised me that, you know what I'm saying, Elon Musk going to resell Twitter to me. And it, okay, all right, all right. Can we point to that anywhere? Listen, does God want you to be married? Is marriage a good thing? Yes, amen. Man, is, is money a good thing? Money is a good thing. Not the ultimate thing, it's a good thing. Man, you got to be careful. Those kind of specific things is not what is promised to you always in Scripture. What is promised to you is that your identity is certain, that you are who God says you are, that his care for you is enduring, that he will protect and care for. He is gyra. He is more than enough. Can I get somebody just receive that word today? That his timeline for your life is never under danger. That the sequences and the chronology of your days is never fragile. It is always solid. And it is always headed exactly where he wants it to be. He promises you his presence always, his unfailing love, his constant guidance, his sovereign control over our lives and history. And that you get to be a part of his coming victorious kingdom. And Hebrews 11 is just for us to remember that, believe it, and then act on it. Live like we actually believe those things are true. All of those things that we said we believe about our identity, about the ultimate trajectory of history, our redemption in him, all should lead us to act in certain ways that validate we actually believe those promises. So it can never just remain mere intellectual assent. It's always got, oh yeah, why did you do that? Oh, I believe in Jesus. We should always be putting ourselves in position where people are like, why are you doing that? And we always get to offer a defense for the hope we believe in. Why y'all have all those children? Well, we believe a certain thing about a certain thing because of Jesus. Why y'all live in that neighborhood? Oh, because, can I just tell y'all, and I'm, I'm done. Kind of done. Almost. <laughs> Going back on the theme of my heroes, y'all are my heroes. You know, we love a good celebrity and we love all the people on TV. Don't, them ain't my heroes. Them mugs don't impress me. Especially when I think about last week and generosity. You know what I'm saying? Your favorite people, you know what they do? Make millions and they give a little bit. Y'all live in the places they give to. Y'all work in the places they give to. 
Y'all serve in the communities that people most frown upon. Why? Because you believe a certain thing about a certain someone and what it represents. You're my heroes. We could talk about running to the smoke. Y'all are the people who actually run to brokenness. You're my heroes. Are you believing by faith? Tim Mackey, the guy who does the Bible, um, Bible project, I'm just going to give you literally his exact application because I think it will encourage you. Just about being people of faith. Going back to my earlier point, some of us still have big questions. I just want to tell you, the Av, you can come and still have big questions about your faith. There's no need to, to hide it. Come on, bring your questions. And as a matter of fact, we want to do a better job. I want to do a better job personally about celebrating those questions and really not forcing you to something. Because I can't force you to believe this. I can't. Now, we got to be honest about that. If you don't believe it, you don't believe it. I'm not going to ram it down you, but don't act like you believe it and you don't believe it. Let's just be, we can be honest and we can, we can sit in that space and know you're loved and you're protected and you can come. And I want to keep encouraging you to keep asking your questions because here's what I actually believe and I want to encourage us to believe too. Is that when you keep asking questions, it's just validating that you are on the journey to faith. It's the reason why you haven't left it, let it go. I actually believe the Holy Spirit is really winning. That's why you're still so inquisitive. Because if you actually didn't care, you wouldn't ask the questions. So I want to encourage you, keep asking your questions. Stay on your journey to faith. But I also want to let you know that it is time sensitive. We won't have forever. At some point, you do have to drop your anchor. I'll also encourage some of y'all as we kind of from last week, I love praying with y'all. Jenny, Paige, praying with Paige. Some of the specific things that I was just hearing in the vulnerability, and I love the moment. It's like, man, you know what? I believe this stuff. I need to start living like I believe it. Some of y'all are in that group. It's like, man, you know what? Ain't nothing Pastor Tim said I would ever disagree with, but my life needs to start validating that I actually do believe this stuff. And so today, just praying that you would continue just to ask God for grace, that you would continue to live courageously, that you could be in this the extended chapter of 11. By faith, you did X. And to the weary, just want to encourage you, don't stop. <laughs> Keep going, baby. You're in the right place. If you're tired because you're believing by faith, then you are in the right tension. You are in the right place. It will never get easier to trust God. You're, in just, you're just in the right space. It's what it means to follow Jesus. Keep believing. But I'll leave you with this. Verses 16 and 39. Verses, actually, uh, verse 11 and 16. He said, instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. 
Man, that's a powerful verse. I want to let you know, for every tear you cry, for every headache, for every sleepless night, for every tough conversation where you are still hanging on to God and his promises for you, he is commending you, and I'm telling you, when this is said and done, baby, you're going to have the proudest father this world has ever seen. I am not ashamed for you to be called my children. There will be a reward for your faith. Continue to trust him.